right, everybody, welcome back to the Millennial Sales Podcast. It is your host, Tommy Tahoe Alemo. I'm excited for today's episode. Before we get to today's content, just want to give a shout out. Sponsoring this podcast is, it's me. It's uh, the new prospecting bootcamp uh, that I unleashed. The next cohort starts July 3rd. This is a 30-day bootcamp intended to help you prospect better. That includes live coaching from me every single week. Uh, a 24-7 Slack community, dozens of other BDRs, AEs, founders, sales leaders uh, in the trenches with you trying to get better and help each other out. Uh, guest speakers uh, like Justin Welsh and Sam McKenna and Ian Cognac, people like that have spoken uh, at these events. So uh, people are getting promoted. People are uh, making more money than they know what to do with. And part of that is because of building a lot of pipelines. So come join me. Um, you can go to my LinkedIn page or tasales.co to learn more. Uh, only have limited seats available. Uh, every single cohort I've done has sold out, so you want to check this one out. Okay, today uh, I'm talking with Alex Kremer for the podcast, a good friend of mine. We are co-running uh, the Arise uh, Immersion, three-day immersion with our friend Clara Johnson uh, coming in in July as well. Uh, Alex is a sales leader at Catalyst. He is the founder of Alluvians. He is uh, a good friend. He's a soulful dude, and he's got a hell of a lot of experience to uh, to back up, you know, everything that he says. So this is one of those combos that I wish lasted three hours instead of forty five minutes. But uh, we got Alex for what we could get him for, and uh, I really appreciated the combo. So without further ado, here is me and Alex Kremer. Let's go. All right, next up here on the pod, my guy, Alex Kremer, uh, director of sales over at Catalyst, founder, CEO of Alluvians, my good friend. How are we doing this afternoon? <laughs> I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling, I'm feeling really good. I've been looking forward to this conversation since we put it on the calendar, and it's just been like stirring the entire week. It's like Friday afternoon. I'm like, okay, this is a good way to finish off the week here. <laughs> it's good, man. It's my last call of the week. Uh, that I know of, at least uh, until someone calls me. And I'm excited for that. And uh, I was I was thinking this morning because now that we're running this, uh, we're running this retreat together, uh, people ask me all the time, like, how do I know you? How long have I known you? And it has been probably five or six years. And I, but I don't, I can't exactly recall. I think, I think it was through a mutual friend who was actually my boss. Did you, did this might be not even interest an interesting way for people, uh, but if they if they're interested in you, maybe they they will care. Did you go to flagship CrossFit in San Francisco? Uh, I was a big flagship CrossFit guy. Okay. That was my okay. that was my jam. My uh, my okay. three years I lived in San Francisco. Okay, cool. So it's probably through Rich Stone, if that name rings a bell. That he was my boss out there when I was at Tech Target. I used to, so it was when I was at Microsoft and yeah. I was an account executive there and I was like working in like the financial district and flagship was like a block and a half away from my office. And I always go there and Rich was uh, working at tech target. So he was like one of the only tech guys working in financial district. And so whenever it came to like squatting and doing power cleans, I'd always do them with Rich. And then we just talk about tech and sales and leadership and all sorts of good stuff. And he was a powerhouse, man. <laughs> yeah, he, he still is. He still is. Uh, he's got the home gym now. I, I check him on Instagram. He was this podcast's first, uh, first ever episode, by the way. Fun fact for you. <laughs> that is a good fun Six fact years right ago. there. Uh, wow. So, um, dude, I'm excited to have you on. And for, for people that aren't super familiar, um, just want to go through your, your background a little. Uh, you were rep at, at DocuSign, then into Microsoft. Then got in relatively early uh, at Outreach, spent almost five years there from AE uh, all the way through uh, sales manager, through sales director, now sales director at Catalyst, uh, as well as running your own business of Alluvians. Um, those are just like heavy hitter names that you know everyone's heard of. Most people would, would die for some logos like that on their own LinkedIn or on their own resume. Um, but I don't even know if I know how, how did you get into uh, you know, DocuSign in the first place, how'd you get into tech sales? So DocuSign. So fun fact about me is I actually had six internships throughout college and my first Damn. sales 
internship was the very end of my freshman year. Uh, and it was like a marketing recruiting thing. And I, I had a couple of other, you know, jobs and internships. And then my junior year, uh, in between my senior year of, of college, I was a intern at DocuSign as an SDR and was making cold calls to get people to write reviews on the Salesforce app exchange. Okay. Uh, and that was, that was like the early days of DocuSign in Seattle. That was when it was competing against like echo sign. And, and that was my first taste of tech sales. And it was terrifying to make cold calls back in the day. <laughs> if you had six internships, why did you, why did you choose to go into the, uh, like, and that was, you were cold calling a DocuSign for one of them and God knows what you're doing for the other five. Why, why was that the one that got your attention to then get into that career? It, you know, I knew, so in college, I was also the president of the Husky Sales Club. That was like my claim to fame. I went to University of Washington. And I loved sales, not necessarily because I like am a sales guy. Like I don't have like the silver tongue or anything like that. You know, I, I'm not going to, you know, be super suave or anything. But I knew that, you know, building companies and selling and, and closing revenue was a very important foundation of any business that you're trying to build. And, you know, I knew tech was obviously really, you know, it was on fire and I was right in the heart of Amazon and Microsoft. And I was just like, who knows what it is I truly want to end up doing in this world. But I know if I go into tech and I go into sales, that's going to give me the most amount of opportunities to really go from there. And, you know, I've never been a big tech guy. I'm not actually passionate about like tech. It's funny when I, when I was at Microsoft, I mean, I was selling cloud, you know, SQL surfaces, like some, some pretty serious tech and selling IT leaders, you know, system admins. And as we really started to get into the product functionality, I would always feel like my eyes started to kind of glaze over. I was like, Oh man, like I'm, I'm not curious and interested in the technology itself. But when it comes to running and facilitating a meeting, when it comes to developing um, great relationships with key executives, when it comes to thinking strategically about a deal and how to, you know, overcome the objection and be aware of the risk, and also just work in a team and compete, right? I grew up playing sports and I like to compete. Um, I was like, I don't know what it is, but tech pays well. And there's who knows what opportunities will flow from that. So mostly like sales, but then, my biggest goal always, and I knew this from, you know, early days of college, probably even high school, is like, I wanted to be a leader. Like, yes, you know, I like selling and I like, you know, getting a, a commission check. But what was more important to me is I wanted to do that so I could eventually step into a manager and then a leadership role, because that always just was what was truly resonant for me of building culture and working towards them and getting your crew of people together and be like, Yo, let's fucking build something here. <laughs> so how how were uh, you were at DocuSign for six ish months and then Microsoft for a couple of years? How were how were those first you know few years in tech sales? Maybe pre outreach days. Yeah, I mean, I'll share Microsoft. So I was I was at Microsoft for four years, a little bit over four years, and I was selling into public sector, state and local government. Mm. and uh, I'm not, I mean, it's a great, great space. There's a lot of revenue there. You can learn great things. It, it didn't really jive me. Like I wasn't like, oh man, like I'm energized by this, um, but it was great. And I learned from, I learned how an enterprise corporate organization was run. Like it was operationally sound. There was a person mm. and a process for everything. And there was a very structured promotion path and territory alignment and, you're selling products that every company uses something of Microsoft. Yeah. Like, like whether it was Windows servers way back in the day, whether it was, a, you know, Windows OS operating system, whatever it was, you know, Outlook Exchange. So the sell there was a little bit more account management focused. Um, but there was a big transition of trying to get people from being on premises into the cloud. Like it was really like that was the move. Mm -hmm. uh, into Azure, into Office 365 versus Office on-prem. And so that was really good. But, you know, through that time, um, there was always like a little bit of a, a 
fear that are they own like I I did very well there. I was, you know, one of the fastest to be promoted up to a territory account executive after two years where average was about five. You know, I was managing 150 accounts and then I started managing six larger accounts. You know, my biggest contract I ever closed at Microsoft was a $30 million contract. Like, and I managed that the entire way through. And that was really there that was a lot of car rides from san francisco down to san jose to speak with the cio every single thursday um and you know that that was great because i had you know there's a you know i could hold executive business center meetings where i bring in you know council members where i bring in you know people who are important to how a, a county or city is run and teach them about how do they you know provide for their clients i.e the the people the citizens of the city and county better um and what i always envisioned uh you know was uh when i was in high school and college like i always i always loved business and wanted to like eventually get into it i always envisioned myself wearing a suit and a tie and being at like you know a big oval table and like standing up and speaking and giving a presentation to just like executives like people who are in good positions and and i always envisioned that and you know, I, I got the opportunity to live that vision at Microsoft. Like, I, you know, you didn't need to wear Were a suit. Were you wearing a suit? I wore a suit and tie, man. Yeah. I, okay, respect. I, I loved it, man, because first off, I was, you know, 24, 25, and the average age of the person I was selling to was 40 and up, most likely. Yeah, the average age yeah. of the person on my team was 40 and up. So I, there was a, definitely a little bit of an imposter syndrome of like, I need to look older than I am. I, I kind of grew my beard out a little bit. I actually, and this is terrible to say, but just shows like some of the shame I felt from an, an, an imposter of not truly believing in myself. Uh, people one time asked me how old I was and I, I, I lied. I said I was like 30 when really mm-hmm. I was 24 because I was afraid of what they would, I would lose credibility within yeah. them. Um, Been there. I, I mean, it's how it is. And, you know, I think great for four years, you know, so a lot like, you know, got awards, got, you know, I was able to buy a house uh, from the shares and stock that I went at Microsoft, you know, paid very well. So grateful for that. But there was always that like little thought in my head of, are they only buying from me? Cause I have an at Microsoft.com email address because this is just the upsell and they need to do it. Or I'm in the right time in the right place in my territory, wh- whatever it might be. And so there was really a big, you know, hunger that I had for becoming a great sales professional. That was really like, I was like, I wanted to like, like know and and feel like I could do discovery. I could negotiate like a badass. I could, um, you know, insert product or service here. And I would have the ability to close the deal. Cause I knew that was an important skill set that I needed to have if I was going to be an effective leader. Um, and that led me to leave Microsoft and taking the, taking the jump to a startup. Yeah. And what, what, what number were you, uh, at outreach ish? I think it was like a 150 ish somewhere yeah. along those lines. That's um, early. It was early, man. I mean, outreach wasn't, you know, it was, it was a cool startup in Seattle. It was doing pretty well, but it was, you know, when I joined, I think we were before we weren't even at 25 million in revenue yet. Yeah. Um, and when I left, I think we were, you know, about 250 up or whatever it might be. I was spending some time on your LinkedIn page uh, this morning in, in prep and was just going through, you know, some of the accolades uh, throughout your career, but especially the outreach days of, you know, first year, rookie of the year, promotion, uh, manage a team, uh, promotion, kicked off the New York chapter uh, of the business, flew out, moved out, kicked that off, promotion, uh, director of sales, number one out of 40 teams, president's club, multiple president's clubs. Um, spending almost five years at, you know, one of the fastest growing SaaS companies in probably, you know, in, in during that time period, I don't know what, what the numbers gong, are. Exactly. Gong and outreach were like fighting. It was like, who's the cool, sexy sales yeah. SaaS startup. Yeah. And those were the two in 2020, when I was looking for, for a new, uh, job, those were the two, uh, the two companies that I was going for. And uh, I probably would have taken the job at outreach uh, if I didn't have to move to New York. I was, I was interviewing with you and I was like, you, man, I don't want to, I don't want to move to New York, but if I did, I'd be there. My God. I, that was, I feel like we talked at least once before that we had, I think got connected from rich, but then 
you came in and you interviewed yeah. and we we I think we offered you the job where we at least did not get to the point of being able to offer because you're like, yeah, but I'm not willing to move. And I was like, Yeah. Yeah. Come on, dude. I know. I wasn't I wasn't in a spot where I was ready to move uh across the country. But otherwise, man, I had uh, I had Manny on my podcast. I had Mark on the podcast. That's kind of how things started. And I, I, I loved so much about what you guys were doing. Um, what stands out to me though, man, is that you, as you're talking and just, we just ran through a bunch of your, your accolades, you know, that doesn't happen by luck. It, you talk a lot about the craft, you know, a lot of people show up to their sales job as, as a job and they focus on their number. They focus on, I've got to make 50 dials today. I've got to book 10 meetings this month. I've got to sell a million dollars this year. And you have to do those that you have to see results. There's a leaderboard. And, and if you don't end up high on the leaderboard, you're not going to be in sales at that company maybe for long. But those are, those are, you know, and those are outputs of what your, what your skill set are and what the, the work that you do. So talk to me a little bit about the, why you focus and, and what kind of, led you to focus on both the craft of sales, which you're talking about discovery, negotiation, holding conversation with executives that are twice your age, as well as leadership, which we'll, we'll probably spend some more time on, but that's a whole, some similarities, but a whole different yeah. craft of, of leading an individual, leading a group of individuals to, to accomplish a task. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. I mean, you know, it initially started when I joined, uh, you know, a community. It was called Epic Impact at the time. Now it's called Abundant. And uh, the the now CEO of Abundant, his name is Ben Skemper. And he's a longtime friend, a longtime mentor and coach, and just a guy who I've learned so much about in terms of vision and, and whatnot. And um, he asked me, uh, I was having a coaching call with him. I was a client of his. And I told him one time, I was just like, hey, man, like, you know, I was at Outreach at the time. I was like, hey, man, I'm... I feel like I'm doing really well on like the demo um, and like doing good at discovery. I was like, but I want to be a closer. You know, I want to like really like get like, just God put me on, like, let me get them to commit to a signature. And he did something that I, I will never forget. And he said, cool. You know, if you were a good closer, how do you think you'd feel? And, you know, I went in, I was like, oh, I feel great. Like, I just feel confident. I'd feel like just relax. I'd feel like I wouldn't have to like try so hard. He's like, cool. It's like, how do you think that would impact um, how you showed up uh, with your partner? It's like, oh man, like I bet you like she would be like digging me. You know, I'd be like more confident. She would be vibing. Like she would think her man was attractive. It's like, cool. How do you think that would, you know, impact your future children if you were, you know, a great closer? I was like, man, if I was a great closer, like I'd be able to provide you know, opportunities for my family, I'd be able to, um, you know, take them on great vacations, I would be able to have enough money to have time and spaciousness to just spend with my family. And he got me this point, And I was like, you know, initially, I thought I wanted to be a great closer. But after going through that exercise, I was like, damn, like, I want to be a good closer. Like, mm. his questions had allowed me to enroll myself into what the impact of it would be. And then when it came to the next steps of, he's like, cool. So you really want to be it. Your why is strong enough. How do you do it? How do you be get closer? And it was like, oh, well, you know, I find a mentor within my company who I think is the best closer. And I speak with him once a week. I join a sales training program. I read a sales book. I practice, you know, this many times a week. Like the execution part is actually the easy part, <laughs> like the mm. craft of it. It was the why had to be strong enough, like the flame had to be big enough that allowed like that's this is just what I do. I mean, my vision is like, that's my vision. So I'm going to do this. Um, mm. And that just has has always been part of that. So I think, you know, for me, it's just always having a really powerful vision of what the impact of being a great closer would be and also being an uh, authentic closer, you know, one that actually isn't like closing and like I win, you lose, but like, hey, I'm closing you because I'm selling you a product that I know that will give you value that will allow you to rise up. We're going to win together through doing this. And, you know, when I was at, you know, Microsoft and I was getting the point of looking for the next thing, I kept on thinking of like, what is it that I want to do? What's my next role. Um, and I was like, was it sales? Is it leadership? Is it marketing? I was like, I, I got really stuck on the what. And so I 
actually chose to change the question that I was asking myself was like, well, how do I want to feel at my next role? Like, what are the most important things at my next role that will impact me? And, you know, I came down to three main things. Number one is I really uh, wanted to be challenged as a sales professional. I wanted to move my identity from being a sales rep to a sales professional. And that came with the craft. Number two, I wanted to be part of a great culture, like nothing that was wrong with the out or with the Microsoft culture. But, you know, if, sometimes I feel like there was just a bunch of individual contributors who happened to be reporting to the same manager. Like I wanted a crew, like I wanted like fist bumps mm -hmm. in the office, so like, hey, let's like get after this today. And, you know, number three is I, I wanted leadership, whether it was right away or at least the opportunity to move into leadership. And I wanted to be modeled to me, what is a great leader do and how do they show up? And that became the lens through which I was looking throughout my next opportunities. And I was interviewing at Amazon, LinkedIn, you know, all, you know, everywhere. And it wasn't until I went into the outreach office that it just clicked. My stomach was like, oh, this is it, dude. <laughs> this, like, this like nails every single one of the things I was looking for because it was really clear that those were important things that would get me to at least what my, the beginning stages of what my vision is and was. Mm -hmm. I love that story about uh, working with what, what's it? His name's Ben. Ben Skemper. Right? Ben yeah. Skemper. About being a closer. Uh, if I were to put you on the spot, what, what's that thing for you now that you're aspiring towards? Mm. Yeah, I mean, this is something that you and I talk about, you know, a good amount. Is what does it mean to be the CEO? Like, what does it mean to have the identity being the CEO of not necessarily a job and a company, but more the CEO of my mission, of my purpose of like what I'm really trying to bring to this world. And, you know, I've never wanted to have a job. The concept of a job to me is like, that's man-made. <laughs> like that's, you know, there's an opportunity here. And some people are truly embodying and living this. Uh, they wake up every single day and they are living their mission. It is no longer about, you know, working for something. And that's always been, you know, what I believe is possible for me. And, you know, I'm not meant to say I, I'm doing that right now, just in an earlier stage of that vision. But like, there's an opportunity for me to truly, you know, one step, one day, uh, you know, fully step into full-time, you know, CEO role of Alluvians, the, the company that I founded, the, the um, you know, we're, you know, in partnership together, you and I are throwing the Arise Immersion and it's part of that, that vision. And, um, you know, what the CEO role also is, is not only am I throwing incredible transformational events for people who are also wanting to find meaning and purpose and also work on their craft, something you know, I want to do, I'm doing myself. Um, but it's also to um, allow people to be in community, like to just like feel like they got our crew, they're not doing this alone. They're surrounded by high quality people who are investing in themselves who believe in bringing something true to this world. And, you know, I'd say the biggest thing that's come online for me, I think, especially over the past couple of years that I didn't used to think was as important as I want spaciousness. <laughs> I want to mm. be able to wake up and have a nice long morning routine. You know, we, you and I have talked about this like meditation and breath work and journaling and reading. I want to be able to go surfing in the morning and like take my future kids to school and spend time, you know, whenever I want to, you know, I want to be on my you know, what's most important to me what, when I, it's time for me to have a family, it's like to really just like, that's going to be my number one priority. And that doesn't mean I want to stop making money through bringing my mission to the world, but um, the lifestyle, uh, I do truly think that one can be, have it all, man. You can have it all. You can have um, the meaning, you can have the great relationship, you can have the wonderful family, you can, you know, make enough money to support yourself and give back. Like, um, yeah, I mean, my, my, my vision's been like, really been like coming online lately. And I'm like, man, what, what could it really be and feel like if anything was possible? Mm.
And it is. And, you know, that's one of the reasons that, you know, at this point we're talking uh, at least texting uh, just about every single day. And I love talking to you because you, you're such a big picture type of guy. And I feel like you help me to, to see bigger. And I get jazzed up when I, when I hear you talk about this stuff and it inspires me to do the same. And uh, you mentioned this right before we started recording, talking about, um, you know, kind of three levels, so to speak, of of thinking. And at the bottom level or the low, you know, the lowest level is tactical output. You know, um, I need to send these follow-up emails. I need to have a one-on-one with my AE, things like that, uh, where many of us get stuck. Uh, and we focus on those things all day long. And then there's like the second level, and maybe there's more to it than this, but the way I interpret it was there's a second level of like, what's your, what's your vision? Like, wh- where are you going? It's like, well, I'm doing the one-on-one with the AE because I want to become a great leader. And, you know, I want to set up my company for success or grow my skill set or whatever you're doing. I'm making cold calls because I want to get promoted so I can make more money and get out of my student debt. Okay, cool. And then there's like the third thing that the highest part, which is like, okay, in order to get to where I really want to get to, who do I need to become? Kind of reminds me of that closer situation you were talking about with Ben of, uh, yes, becoming a closer in that instance maybe turned you into someone that was more confident, that maybe was making more money, that maybe was winning more deals, that maybe was influential with their friends and relationships. But I would actually argue flip it on its head and say, once you can do those things, once you are more confident, once you can influence people, once you can do these things, then you're a freaking closer. Uh, once you can you know, have deep and meaningful conversations and help people to achieve their goals, then you're a freaking leader. You know, um, So it, maybe just expound on that. I don't know if I described it, uh, how you were thinking it in your head, but uh, I'd love to just hear what you believe uh, based on kind of what I said there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of good things there. So, um, I was just having, uh, one of my, you know, good friends and also mentors is a guy named Zachary Wagner. And he, he shared this, this frame with me that I thought was really profound. Um, and he described it as like kind of three different levels of vision. And in, you know, number one is your spiritual vision. And that doesn't necessarily even need to mean, you know, god or or anything i mean for me part of it is definitely god and and my faith um which is a very you know core part of my identity and something that's always been a core part of my identity so i'm so grateful for but also just like your spiritual vision of like what's the meaning you're doing here kind of what i was speaking to earlier like who who and what is like what you're meant to be doing and what's that vision Mm -hmm. what when are you in your greatest gifts and how do you do more of that and make it better for other people. And that's, you know, it starts with that. And, and just the energy that comes from that is, you know, creates the domino effect. The second layer then is the strategic vision. You know, that comes from cool. If like, we're going to do this, like, how does that actually come down a little bit into real life? Just a tiny bit Mm -hmm. from um, my business, my, you know, my partnerships, um, what I'm doing every single day, like if I'm trying to bring forth a new wave of rising leadership to help people feel a greater sense of purpose, connection, and growth, which is my mission statement, um, what does that look like from a strategic? Well, you know, I throw immersions. I have a podcast that you were on. Um, I'm on podcasts like this. You know, I have a sales team that I lead. You know, what are the conversations that we're having there? And that becomes a little bit more strategic. And that also provides me, you know, the financial opportunity to be able to live that. And then, from there, the layer below it is what you said earlier, the tactical vision of cool. What does that mean in terms of how I need to operationalize all of this? Um, the one-on-ones that we're doing, the, um, you know, the logistics side of it, the, you know, I'm right now I'm talking with a virtual assistant right now. Well, can I start to uh, streamline operationalize? Cause my time is worth a certain amount of money based on, Hey, if I want to make X percentage of to- of money this year, each hour of my time, I did this calculation is worth about $250 an hour. So if I'm hosting 
on LinkedIn or Instagram or TikTok to develop my brand and to build Illuvians, is that worth $250 an hour? Or can I automate that with a virtual assistant for $10 an hour or $20 an hour? And that just determines where am I making the most use of time? And by no means am I perfect at that. If you look at my calendar, you're going to see I'm playing Tetris most days with my calendar blocks. Um, but that's, you know, again, that's part of my vision of stepping more into that spaciousness right there. Um, Here's something that I was actually talking about with a, uh, with a friend this morning. And this is why I wanted to dig into it is I feel like there are moments, I feel like we could all relate to this. There are uh, moments in time in your career, in your life where everything's flowing, right? You know, you're, you're killing it. You're hitting quota, your team's crushing, you got a new job, whatever. And it just seems easy, you know? And in those moments, I'll speak for myself is when I tend to do more of the, uh, I find the time in the space to meditate. I find the time to journal. I find time to travel, to spend time with friends, to do things creatively that, you know, get me well-rounded. And I'm just like, I'm just like on the blackjack table and I'm just like, hit me. And it's, and it's, and I'm just getting ace after ace and that happens. Uh, and then there's other times where it's, it's, the opposite, maybe not even the opposite, but it's just not that it's like, it's a little bit of a slog and some good stuff happens, but you feel gr like you're grinding. And in those moments, yeah. uh, you focus, you know, or I won't say you, I'll say me, I focus more on the tactical side. So for example, right now, I, I feel like, you know, I'm four and a half months into leaving a very well-paying job and running my own business and don't know my ass for my elbow most days. And so I feel like <laughs> I'm in a bit of a slog right now. And so I am focused more on the tactics. I am focused more on the emails and the follow-up calls. And there's a moment for that, but I also notice, you know, I haven't, I'm not very good in good alignment with some of my, uh, my own, you know, deeper vision on most days. So yeah, I find it's hard to do that when you're playing behind or when you're tight or when you're maybe behind on the scoreboard where you want to be. How do you how do you manage that? How would you how would you coach me if I was on your team mm. to manage that? Mm. I mean, the best way that I coach first off is to speak through my own personal experience. And if I was even to tell you that I don't also participate in the same struggle that you speak of, I, you know, I wouldn't deserve to be on this podcast <laughs> right here. <laughs> um, so it is a, a level of inquiry that I also have continuously. I'll tell you what does work for me is, you know, first off to what are the foundational items that I know keep me um, of a certain balance of a certain homeostasis. And for me, Two things are both my morning practice um, and then working out. Uh, and then the third, I would probably say is my community right there. Yep. And, you know, my morning practice consists of, you know, waking up every single morning, stretching right when I wake up, uh, drinking a large glass of water, some athletic greens, hopping in a shower, uh, finishing the, it as a cold shower with a round of Wim Hof, um, you know, going and, you know, meditating. Uh, and then I recently started adding, uh, watching a inspirational um, YouTube montage for like 10 minutes of just like, <laughs> yo, execute today and just gets me kind of pointing, but let's, let's go here. So, I mean, if I'm taking care of that and number two, if I'm sweating, like I, you know, I run a lot. Um, and also I found that when I have started lifting weights again, like that actually adds a lot to my mental health, especially, mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, number two, I'm part of, you know, two different communities. I've, I've paid to be part of these communities because it's a place I want to receive coaching. Uh, but also I love attending immersions and events and being in crew and community. I'm in part of a men's group. I'm also part of a, another group that talks about, you know, focus on leadership development and personal development. Um, and when I have people who I can be open and share with and who are also continuously challenging me and I'm getting continuously asked questions around how am I doing? Um, what am I working on? What am I working towards? There's a level of accountability that comes with that. Like if it was just me 
you know, living on, you know, doing my thing and, and working in, you know, let's say building alluvians, um, there's no, I need to be shaped. I, I, I gain energy from being around other people. And I love, you know, I invest a lot of my money into coaching uh, and receiving coaching from different people because I want them to ask me questions. I have a coach for different things. I have a therapist. I have a meditation and mindfulness and mental health coach. I have a business coach. Um, you know, it, it's just like having a consistent amount of people who are supporting me in that way, um, allow me to remain in that. Uh, but you know, if you don't have that, you know, the money to invest in that, like there's still communities, you know, that you mm. can be a part of that are free. You can still, you know, speak with your personal friends and hold a, an accountability pod call every other week to talk about, you know, where some of the things that we're working on. Um, and just make an intention, like the amount of people that I've either asked to mentor me within work or asked if I could mentee uh, or, or mentor them um, so that I could, you know, be in held a, a level of accountability. Um, it's that that's important. So if, if I'm doing that sort of stuff there, um, that's good. But I'll tell you, like, during the day, you know, when you get in the tactical side of it, the stress of the quota, the um uh, I need to do this. I need to get this thing done. That weighs on you. And like, even like, as I say that, like, I feel my shoulders start to hunch almost even as I'm like, I'm getting weighed down by the pressure. Um, and so whatever I can do to continuously um, shock myself, so to speak, to like lift my head up again and say, where am I going here? What am I really trying to do? Uh, that's, that's really important to keeping the, the vision and keeping my heart open towards what that vision is. You, have you ever felt, because, well, let me say this. I, I've never worked on your team, but I, I know people who have, and I know enough people who have said that you lead most calls uh, with breathwork sessions or, you know, intention settings or various things like that, that are uh, not common, we'll say in the SaaS sales world. Um. And when you're hitting your number, like that's like, man, this guy knows what he's talking about. And when it's when it's wartime, I imagine, because uh, right now it's 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 a it's tough sledding for most sales teams. I don't know where you're at for your your number. I don't have access to your sales force. But when it's tougher going, uh, those things are usually the first things to to kind of fall off off the radar. So I'm just curious have have you um, do you invest? the same amount of time in those things you invest less more uh when things are you know are just objectively more challenging than than when things are are you know when we're just like crushing it i mean it's it's interesting uh 20 fy 2022 so all of 2021 and the month of january uh at outreach uh when i was a sales leader we were that number one out of 42 teams, whatever it was. It was incredible. Mm. You know, and we had just opened up the New York office, hired a whole bunch of people. And the fact that we were able to get to that, like it, we were doing breath work. We were, you know, having pipeline generation goals and you had swagger. Um, yeah. I mean, there was like a vision. It was, and we were tapped in. People were engaged and wanting to lean into the stuff we were doing, the breath work, the vision work, the talking about our whys and crushed it. And then February. 2022 hit and for many that was the very beginning of the economic conditions that we are now and for many sales orgs and sales teams and tech companies especially it went down mm -hmm. and that happened uh to our team and uh that was really tough <laughs> like like that that hit me you know i thought i was unstoppable bro, bro. like i thought it was like Oh, this I, I figured it out. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like you tell you do this stuff with your team and you get people going, people sell well. And also it, it was helpful. We were selling a badass product and yeah. all that. And then when results start to go down, I'm like, what's what's wrong here? Do we need to be more tapped into our vision? When you're doing some of that stuff and it still wasn't producing revenue. Do we need to be uh doing more, you know, talking about sales tactics stuff? Okay, well, we did that, but like it still wasn't doing stuff. It's like all of a sudden, like we weren't necessarily seeing the results uh, manifesting like we thought they were supposed to if we invest into the time and the energy of that. Mm. And uh, that was a really tough time mentally for me. It broke, you know, it, it, it 
brought me down a lot. And um, I look back on that time now and, oh my God, am I thankful for that time because it taught me struggle and how to still have, you know, still work through the struggle. Cause it's not always going to be high five, you know, all the time. And like, this is great. You're great. I'm great. We're all great. There's certain times that it just like, you're at that, that bottom right there. And um, that brought me down. I mean, I struggled with mental health uh, at certain times. Like I had to really, you know, take a step back and find more spaciousness for myself and do some, some deeper work on me because there was parts that like, I needed to slow down hmm. and um, I got, you know, professional help and, you know, really the, Hey, I need to like make my mental health, my number one priority here, because if I'm showing up mentally, not there as the leader, that's creating a transmission. That's not going to be a good transmission that people want to be feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And, but going through that now, people are still struggling with mental health stuff today. People are still struggling with like, why am I working so hard? But it's not, and I'm not saying I'm perfect and I've made it on the other side of it. I still work on it every single day, but I'm able to meet people there so much better and have so much more empathy for them and, you know, coach or just guide or just share my experiences. Hey, bro, or, you know, hey, sister, like, I see you. Like, yeah, shit's hard, but like, you're going to make it through. And like, here's like ways, just like, make sure you're like self-care above everything. Oh, mm -hmm. like, like sales is one of those things. If you're mentally hurting, good luck on any sales, you know, strategy you want to try. But if there's not yeah. that underlying like mental, emotional and, and spiritual health, like it's not going to be good right there. And so certain times when you go through struggle, it's just a, a mirror that says, yo, just like slow down. Yeah. What does what self-care in the sales realm mean to you? You know, I would say self-care in the sales realm is number one, a lot of sleep. <laughs> get mm -hmm. as much sleep as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say, make sure you're eating healthy and working out. I'd also say, it's just like, make sure you're blocking your calendar for times when you are, you know, doing the activities of building pipeline, doing the activities of prepping for your calls, doing the activities of, you know, collaborating with your team. It's like, you know, have the foundational items that says, as long as I show up and I execute on what my plan is here, um, I, you know, even if it doesn't work out, like I try, like I did everything I possibly, I, I controlled everything that I was, you know, able to control. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like the, I like the notion of, uh, self-care sometimes being, uh, just like taking care of your future self. So it's like, oh, there's this thing that I don't really want to do. It would definitely make my Monday easier, yeah. but fuck it. I'll, I'll handle it a Monday morning. And sometimes it's like, dude, if I just did that, take, took 10 minutes to handle that on Friday afternoon while I was like jamming, listening to a podcast or something. And I did three of those things. My life would be so much easier when I kick off the week. And I know Monday morning, I might be a little slower on the roll or something like that, you know? So I, I do, I do like that, that, that mindset. I want to ask you one, one more question before we get into a couple rapid fires. And that's Ooh. about the arise immersion. July dun, 14th dun, through dun. 16th in Austin, Texas, <laughs> <laughs> that we're running together, uh, as well as with our friend Clara Johnson. Um, we did a whole nother podcast about, you know, we talked a lot about the retreat, so folks can go check that one out. It's in the queue a couple episodes before this one. Um, but I just, I'm just curious, like, what's the, if I were to say, Alex, what's the one reason that you're most excited about that immersion? Like, what, what is, what is like getting you stoked? We're two months out from it. How are you feeling? <laughs> that is a phenomenal question right there. Mm, what is getting me most excited about that? You know, I think for me, it's, you know, there's three pillars of the Arise Immersion. You know, number one, we're helping tech sales professionals perfect the art and the craft of sales. Right. We've talked about that discovery, demoing, negotiating, prospecting, you know, number two, we're helping, you know, transform the inner game. We're helping people understand their why, what their vision is. Um, we're taking people to their edge by doing breath work and cold plunge and, uh, you know, meditation. We're having a, a Zen monk, one of my coaches, Rob Renahan, come and, you know, take people through a powerful meditation. Um, and number three, we're developing community. Like that's, 
awesome. Like the tech sales professionals getting together and just do cool stuff in the wonderful city of Austin. My favorite part about that is those are the three things that I love the most in this world. <laughs> and they're all combined in a one single yeah. thing in a three-day immersive event where people from across the, you know, the country, um, from different tech companies who are wanting to better themselves, who are wanting to, you know, find more, who want to just like meet other people who are wanting to invest themselves this way. It's like, we're just getting together and we're just like, what are you guys thinking here? Yeah. What do you guys, what are you guys like just, and asking powerful questions and doing cool experiences and breaking bread together and um, going to our edge together. It's like, Oh, this is different. So that then we can take that, that, the essence of that, and we can bring that back home to us in our jobs, our families, our friends, and just like that right there, man, like that tastes and feels good. And that yeah. feels like um, uh, there's, there's meaning in that, not just for me, not just for you, but like for everybody who's like, oh, let's go in here and let's source and nourish each other. And let's bring that out to the world. That sounds badass. That's beautifully said. Uh, subtle plug alluvians.co slash arise. Uh, if that, if what Alex just said is speaking to you in your soul, uh, check that out or uh, either of our LinkedIn profiles. Um, Alex, rapid fire question time. Sip your water, take a breath, whatever you need, because we're coming in uh, to close this thing out. All right. So, first question is we're big readers on this, on this podcast. I don't know how much of a reader you are or are not. Um, but I'd love to hear any books that have made, made huge shifts in your life. They do not need to be a sales book. They probably, I would imagine probably are not sales books, but anything that mm -hmm. stand out to you, um, you've recommended to other people you come back to and reread anything like that stand out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've got a few for you. The, one of my favorites is the way of the peaceful warrior. Um, it was just a really powerful book that I've read a couple of times, especially when I'm struggling and I yeah. need to like find out, you know, how to, how to help my inner self, uh, right there. Uh, another great book is the Celestine prophecy, which is such mm. an interesting one, just about, um, feeling the frequency and the energy of the world and following where you feel called to most. And it's told in a really wonderful narrative anecdote of going to Peru and finding these ancient manuscripts. So it's just like really really cool and um you know one uh there's a, a fantasy series um that i really love called the stormlight archives and it was one of my first fantasy series books about just like medieval times with like you know magical stuff built into it i learned and felt more uh about leadership and fighting for something um and and bringing that back to what i was doing in my real life than any book there was Mm. Uh, and just the characters, I, I relate as much to different characters. So uh, those are those are three of my top ones. Uh, but you know, I could check out my Kindle, and there's a whole bunch more. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. What what goes on in the Alex Kramer headphones music wise? Oh, you know, my dad was a very big uh, Grateful Dead guy, and so I grew yeah. up listening to Grateful Dead. Um, and uh, we're actually going and seeing the Dead in Company with John Mayer out in New York. My dad and one of my sisters is coming out. And, uh, you know, I've started to get a little more into country, which is which is great. I mean, that, you know, I'm in Austin right now. And who knows if I end up living here soon. Uh, but that <laughs> I, I did just buy my first pair of cowboy boots while I was down here. No, you and that did. Was a, I did, man. <laughs> it was, Tell me, I, don't don't lie. Are they on right now? <laughs> no but they need to be thank you for holding me accountable <laughs> that's great i actually saw dead and company last year in chicago i think it's their last year this year yeah it's, it's, the last, it's one of the last shows it's uh it's gonna be bittersweet my dad's been seeing them since like the 60s they're they're just a great jam band and they take you on a journey with their music for like 15 minutes and they come back to like the original you know chorus like wow we're still on this song where have yeah. i been the past 15 minutes <laughs> That's great. That's great. Um, all right. I want to uh, take you to the selfish section of the rapid fire. Who is one person that needs to come on this podcast? Whoa, that is good. One person that needs to come onto this podcast uh, is Claire Johnson. Claire How could Johnson. she not? 
I mm. mean, Claire, Claire and I go way back at Outreach. I used to manage her when she was an AE, and then she moved into a sales management role uh, and crushed it there at Outreach. And now actually came over and joined me here at Catalyst, uh, and now is obviously you know the third you know contributor here for the Arise Immersion. And she's she's wickedly not just intelligent, but she's got some some spiritual like man, you know some shit. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> She's got some like I've never never been to her her home office, but I just imagine there's like crystals everywhere on the walls and yep. plants and just everything, all the all the energies going on. She's uh, got that for sure. Yeah. Um, are there any quotes, mantras, uh, life philosophies, anything like that that you've Ooh. been taught that you stick to, or even just that you've been thinking about recently? Yes. I love this question. I'm going to give you three. Okay. Yes. The first one, uh, you move towards what you think and talk about most, mm. you know, you move towards what you think and talk about most. Number two, the purpose of a vision is not necessarily that you achieve it. The purpose of a vision is who it causes you to be today. And I love that one. I mean, it's really about like, this is why we feel lit up is so that we can embody those characteristics today. And number three, and this is more just my life philosophy. It's the beginning of the beginning, man. Mm. It's just the beginning of the beginning. Like, hey, we might say we know maybe one or two things here, but like, it is just the start of the start. <laughs> like, yeah. we're, And that just makes me feel a greater sense of humility um, and also I'm like, man, I cannot wait for this exciting journey that we're about to embark upon. Mm, I love it, man. I love it. Um, I know we're running, we're running tight on time. Uh, I appreciate you joining, coming on. Uh, I first just like to point everyone to, uh, to go check you out on LinkedIn, Alex Kramer, to check out the rising leader podcast, to check out the arise retreat slash immersion, uh, to check you out on Instagram, Alex Kramer. <laughs> uh what what else what what any any final words any other places they should check you out oh the weekly newsletter uh from mm -hmm. Allu your weekly dose of alluvians what else yeah. yeah we got a little youtube channel as well okay. alex kramer eight um and uh i think the the most important thing is just like find meaning that that's my that's that's my main thing here just like whether it's through a rise or through something else or through yourself, just like find meaning. We're meant to have meaning here in this world. We're not just meant to have jobs and just like work all the time. It's like find what the frick you're supposed to be doing. And if, if that happens, I'm, I'm happy about that. Mm, I love it, man. It's never, we never have enough time, uh, but I appreciate you coming on. Oh yeah, man. Appreciate it. Peace.